My name is Dustin, and welcome to the Earthian Podcast, where I explore the everyday stories, emotions, and realities that make up the human experience as we know it on Earth. Today's guest was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. I've known him for just over 15 years now. This conversation showed me yet again that I don't really know people as well as I think I do. I learned a lot about who he is and why he is as a person. Today in our conversation, we talk about pharmacy and his role in society. We talk about being bullied and how that affected his life. And we talk about the role that basketball has played in his life. This is my conversation with Hui Huan. Yeah, so first first thing is, um, how are you doing? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're recording this in June 23rd, 2020, and we're like three or four months into quarantine because of the coronavirus. Um, we have the protests going on against police brutality and all that mm-hmm. uh, in response to George Floyd and, you know, um, Breonna Taylor and everyone that else has been killed. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, how are you? What's, what's changed for you? Oh man, uh, what a time to have this interview, huh? Like I, I tell you, I um, <laughs> it's been like like everybody else, man. Like it's been such a roller coaster. Um, I mean, especially for me, because it was just Father's Day this weekend, right? And um, I texted my my dad. I go, Happy Father's Day, Dad. Oh, oh, wait, wait, before that, sorry. So I I, I work for Pacific University School of Pharmacy. I think you know that. Yep. Um, so we have a university who really supports Black Lives Matter movement um, and their students, my students are really active and they're, you know, in the protest and all of that. So they're asking for the school support, which we do. And so I posted on social media about uh, white coats for Black Lives Matter. Mm. Right. It was a it was a Saturday event just two days ago or two, three days ago. And uh, my dad, he saw that on social media and he texts me immediately at like 9 p.m. He goes, wait, take that down. I'm like, what? He goes, take that down or else I'm not going to go to your wedding. I said, whoa, what? I, I know, right? He, texted, he would text me this in Vietnamese and it caught me off guard. And um, I said, no, I'm not taking this down, dad. Um, and he kind of went off and he goes so it's kind of carried on to father's day and then i texted a picture of us i said happy father's day dad and then he goes no you can take my picture out and put obama's picture instead of me please and in your wedding album there's going to be no pictures of me just put obama's picture and quote bad guy george floyd okay and i kid you not this this threw me into a turmoil like this was uh what was father's day saturday saturday sunday um so i immediately um i didn't really know what to do you know it kind of it it made me take a pause and reflect on the older generation like the discrepancy especially between vietnamese parents right um so i would ask a lot of my vietnamese friends and see if they had kind of a similar reaction to their parents and to my surprise well not really a surprise but um, they all kind of share the same struggle that I have of how their parents are usually really pro-Republican and they're um, associating communism with this Black Lives Matter movement. And they, a lot of them just don't, they don't, 
value Black Lives Matter as much as um, they don't prioritize it as much as uh, everyone else is in the country right now. Um, so yeah, no, I'm. I guess to my to your question, I'm I'm doing pretty terrible <laughs> with uh, my just my family family relationships. You know, it's just this. I think this is sparking a lot of communication and conversation. He's really active in the Vietnamese community in Oregon. Um, and so he has this strong kind of like pro-Trump base um, that kind of makes it hard for um, for me to talk to him just casually. So Man. that's kind of that's kind of what I'm going through right now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, I I've had conversations with my parents. Um, yeah. I don't think they're they're as like anti Black Lives Matter as mm-hmm. uh, as what how you're describing your dad. Yeah. Um, have you have you had a chance to talk to him about that? Like, you know, no, so has I, things out or something. I wanted to. I'm not one who likes to just linger on issues when the stuff like this happens. I want to just kind of deal with it, you know. And so I would. I, I went over to my parents' house yesterday, and I knocked on the door, and my heart's kind of pounding like when I'm approaching because he in the text he said never to come over anymore. Like, don't ever come to the house. Wow. And yeah. And so I, um, so I did. <laughs> why do you think that is? I mean, I'm curious, like what, why do you think he has such a strong um, negative reaction to that? I mean, it's one thing to oppose it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing to essentially what he's trying to do, or maybe he's acting out of emotion is uh, mm-hmm. disowning you. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think he's, he's having such a strong reaction to that? I think a part of it has to like I'm really trying to understand like his his history, right? Like, he was a lot of Vietnamese parents like they were in the Vietnam War and he just has such an anti-communistic view and Trump um the more I learn about Trump and how he's protecting Vietnam from China and other countries that are t- you know trying to take advantage of him like economically and politically and yeah. so he'll do whatever he can to support him in that way right so anything that goes against trump's agenda he just feels like it'll overthrow trump in the election and um yeah i'm I'm, but i keep telling him look this is not about communism dad like i'm not standing for communism it's like it's like this indirect association that he's he's making a relationship to that makes it tough um yeah so i think it's hard because um in like you said, in Vietnamese culture, and most parents, most of our parents, our generation's parents are like refugees. Yeah. Um, so they they experience the war um, based on communism. Right. So of course, like if you're if you're like if you have to leave your country, if you see violence because of this idea called communism, then obviously it's gonna be like a, a visceral reaction, right? When you hear the word. Right. And that's something that we'll never understand as like our generation, right? Because we never have to step foot into the war zone and like experience that kind of survival death situation that they did. Uh, We can only read about it and try our best to understand it, but we'll never fully understand their pain and their struggle, right? Um, And I think for him, I think it's just, or parents like him, they just want us to acknowledge that. um, Mm. And... And I think that's the hardest part is for them to understand that until like I am acknowledging it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of the the challenge. But yeah. Man, that that's a 
I mean, I'm I'm very curious <laughs> the kind of conversations <laughs> the kind of conversations you'll have. I think I think so much of it is like um, at least the conversations that I've had with my parents. It's like yeah. I think you're right. This whole thing has forced us to communicate about things because it's like the biggest elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And if you don't talk about it, it's just weird. It just feels like you're not <laughs> you're not communicating. Right. Um, yeah, man. I we um, I talked to my parents about the the defund the police idea. Yeah. Um, that that was interesting too because you know that the name the title defund the police it's like suggesting that we just get rid of police it's like abolish right. police. And they believe that, right? Right. Yeah, that's they yeah. believe that. But that's not really what the majority of people are advocating for. I mean, there's some extremists. Yeah. It's it's just kind of silly that they take it to that extreme. They're like, look, now we can't even live in this neighborhood because there's going to be no police around. And now look at all your cousin's kids are going to school and they're not going to have any security around them. And then they just go off on that tangent. And no matter how much you tell them, like, look, that's not what it's about. Um, it's just hard for them to listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, definitely. And I mean, yeah. damn, like thinking about how your dad is such a big advocate for anyone that's protecting Vietnam, doing good things to Vietnam, yeah. um, his his motherland, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say to someone that you you can't you can't do that. So man, that that's like a very hard conversation to have. Well, I mean, I didn't, I couldn't even have that conversation with him. Like he wouldn't even look. He wouldn't even say hi to me. Like when I when he opened the door, we made eye contact, and then he turned around and walked away. And the whole time I was there for about two hours at the house, he didn't. We didn't say one word to each other. And um, that's that's hard. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I hope you guys. I hope you guys get to talk it out. <laughs> I hope so too, man, because I think that's the only way to, to solve this, right? I mean, if we just keep avoiding it, nothing's going to happen. Um, but I think in the meantime, I think it helps when I get uh, more than just myself into this conversation. I think it's it's all of our younger cousins and folks who kind of share the same ideals to kind of come together and talk to all of our parents at the same time. Right. Um, it's going to require more than just me and him. Um, yeah. It's uh, and it's interesting because I would ask a lot of my, you know, my friends, and they they all have that. Like I said, you know, they it's 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 uh, it's crazy. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's, it's this idea. Um, I talked to my parents about this too. It's this idea that when we were, well, not when we, when when our parents were refugees, um, yep. if it was the Republican Party that reached out and like, right. welcomed us. And, right. and so the, the loyalty lies with the Republican Party for so many Vietnamese people just because of that. Right, of course. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, that makes sense, right? And I, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I'm putting myself in their shoes too. And I was like, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't I be loyal to this party who created this opportunity for us, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm telling them like, look, I mean, what, who was kind of, uh, like which group of people kind of led that movement? You know, you think about like the black activists and the immigration act and, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot to it. Right. Yeah. Well, damn, I did not expect, I did not expect that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said, what a perfect timing. If you recorded this interview a week before it would have been more PG and roses and rainbows, but right. uh, this is kind of the, how it is right now. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
Damn, man. <laughs> well, now I'm going to make a weird transition into the next question. <laughs> yeah. Let's do um, it. For, uh, so people who are listening to this, they don't, they don't know who you are. They don't know what you look like. So mm-hmm. my question to you is how, how would you describe yourself to someone who can't see you or interact with you? Yeah. Um, I am, I was born here. I wear glasses. I, um, <laughs> I'm kind of a chill guy. People, people, if you would ask people how they describe me, they, most people would say I'm a pretty calm and collected guy, which is why this whole week has been such a turmoil for me. It's so hard to stay calm, which has been throwing me out of my comfort zone. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm usually a pretty calm and collected guy. I'm a pharmacist by trade. Um, and I get to do what was my biggest passion in my life was to, to be a professor. And I'm fortunate to, to teach the pharmacy students at Pacific University School of Pharmacy in Hillsborough. And yeah, that's Northwestern, born and raised in Portland. Um, grew up in the West throughout my life. I've traveled a lot in the East Coast throughout my years, but I've just there's, there's no place like home. Well, I think mainly it's because my family's here and I can't leave them, yeah. <laughs> even though. They... <laughs> and so that's uh that's, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm curious about your life as a, a pharmacist. Well, one thing yeah. you said you just said is that your your biggest passion in life is being a professor. Um, mm-hmm. Did did you was that like a, a goal for you since a kid or is that like a something that came about recently yeah I think it started when I was in um in high school I was um I started tutoring my little cousins uh in my own living room like I had a whole whiteboard and in the <laughs> summer I would have like my three four cousins come over and I would teach them like algebra pre-cal calculus um and I would go buy these little books in the library and I'd come home and I would just, you know, tutor them. And then they, um, it's just, it's this feeling that when, when you, when you see someone like struggle through something so hard and then they like get it at the end, it's mm-hmm. like this sense of like euphoria. Like it's like, it just makes you feel good that you're able to help someone get somewhere that they wanted to and they tried so hard. Right. right. And so it started from that. And then I ended up tutoring throughout, uh, UW and throughout pharmacy school, I was a tutor. And so it kind of, uh, it was just kind of a, a natural thing for me. Um, and it just led me to like, you know what, this is what I want to do later on. Cause I felt like I had a knack for reaching students at different levels of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just requires a level of patience that I feel like I, uh, I have a good knack for. What have you learned, um, being a professor? I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting perspective. I think you have like a few interesting perspectives. One is like as a professor and then one is like a pharmacist. Um, They're separate, but you know, they probably inform each other. What, what is it about being a professor? Um, What, what have you learned as a professor? How do you see the world differently as a professor? Yeah. Well, before I go further, so being a professor, I learned that it requires about like 20 years to be a legitimate professor. <laughs> so I'm my <laughs> so my rank right now, quote unquote, I'm an assistant professor. So I still yep. have like another 16, 17 years left before I get there, if I get there. Yep. Um, 
so I guess my three years that I've been in my assistant professor role, um, I think the biggest thing I learned was um, how students perceive the world, like they, how the new younger generation are perceiving their workforce. Um, I, I, I'm seeing that the new generation coming up, maybe it's just not even pharmacy students, but this younger generation is, is um, they know what they want, <laughs> and they'll go they'll go after it um at, at no costs right whereas i feel like for our generation uh, we we had the idea of uh of hard work and somewhat loyal to our job <laughs> right because we're, we're seeing the younger generation just hopping you know jobs after every few months um this whole sense of work-life balance um and it's it's interesting to see that within the short period of time that I have been there. Um, so yeah, I think I would say I would say just the work ethic and how much has changed since I graduated pharmacy school to to what students are doing in now. Yeah, I so I went back to school um, like seven years ago or something for yeah. my second degree, yeah. and I don't know if you noticed this um, as a professor, but I noticed that the kids that were around me. Uh, like you said, they're so driven, like they, they know what they want, but also um, it feels like they're more aware, like they're aware of the world. Um, it feels like they know more, like I, I, I didn't know as much as they did at that age. I don't know. I don't know if you've you've uh, experienced that. Oh, for sure. Most definitely. I mean, I have I have students who are they're questioning when I'm lecturing and they would ask questions that I'm just like, oh, shoot. That's a great question. <laughs> that's a legit. That's a legitimate question. Let me. Uh, let me give me some time and let me uh, dig that up. Uh, but yeah, no, these this new generation. They it's because they have the whole world in their fingertips, right? And so they they're used to being in the know of everything around them. Um, right. So as a professor, as a as an educator, it makes it that much harder to see how you can challenge them, right? Um, finding ways to come up with scenarios and questions that they can't just easily Google up, um, questions mm. that really try to make them critically think. Uh, and that's, I think that's the toughest part for an educator. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's like, it's like training creativity. Uh, right. Almost. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, I see a lot of students, they're just like, everything is kind of black and white, especially in the pharmacy field. Cause we're trained as professionals to have like an answer for everything. And you have to have like resources and studies and research to back up your answer. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's not always black and white. Um, and we have to train them how to think that way. And that's, uh, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as a pharmacist, I'm curious, cause um, I think like, I think, all of our professions kind of define how we see the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like uh, an entrepreneur might see opportunities uh, for how to make money. They might see, mm -hmm. a designer might see like problems that they want to solve. Mm -hmm. uh, an architect looks at buildings and think about space and how people exist within that. So mm -hmm. as a pharmacist, I'm curious how that informs your perspective. That's a good question. Shoot. 
You mean like perspective of the world? Yeah, or or yeah, I mean perspective day to day, perspective of like what do you look at? Like when you're walking around, I wonder if there's like a pharmacist mind that comes with you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you a common thing that I try to not fall in trap for is that in pharmacy school we're trained that but the billion diseases and conditions and health problems that are out there, right? Like we are trained to know what medication is best for that condition. Um, and for me, it's, it's, it's almost like sometimes there's not really a medication for something, um, for a health issue. Like there's, you can solve it without having to take a medication. And I think that's why a lot of older generations who are like, I take my dad, for example, he hates taking medications. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's, it's tough because I, I know so much about, you know, we're, we, we, we studied four years about medications and I'm trying to help him in a way that he, what can he do instead of taking medications, right? Um, so more of a holistic health approach to how to improve your health um, without having them to see a doctor for a prescription. Right, um, right, right. And that's kind of, uh, that's kind of how I'm seeing a lot of uh, health issues right now. So you're like, you're going against what it is. Cause it's almost like, if you, <laughs> right? people, are probably, like people are listening to this is probably gonna be like, who are you gonna kill our pharmacy profession? What are, what are we gonna do? But yeah, there's a lot of pharmacists out there that like, look, we don't want you to take, we want you to get off of your medications. We, yeah. want, we don't want you to take 30 medications. We want you to take as, as least medications as you possibly can um, right. and still meet your needs. So yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's hard to like, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. It's the same kind of idea. If if there's a sickness, there's probably a pill for it. But mm-hmm. being able to question that and, you know, um, think of other solutions, that's that's probably the better way to do it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's true. And it's, 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 uh, it's the issue is that um, a lot of people, a lot of pharmacists just don't have enough time to do so, especially in the community settings, right? Right. Um, they don't have time to exhaust all possible solutions for a patient. Um, so, but yeah, that's that's definitely one of the <laughs> one of the challenges that pharmacists face. Yeah. Where Where do you see yourself going from here? Um, I mean, you know, you're gonna still be a professor or assistant professor until you become one you're, you're gonna be a pharmacist what, what do you think's next i for me um i want to be able to be a full on professor one day um that's going to be my next 15 year goal uh and i want to be more of an advocate to the profession um in the state uh, really pushing the field of pharmacy, not just in Oregon, but throughout the country. And that's um, just being more involved in some of the decisions that were being made in Congress and then in, in the legislature. Um, so that's kind of where I see I'm going. But I, for me to get there, I feel like I need a few more years under my belt to to really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I right. have an idea of what's going on, uh, but 
I just need a little bit more experience to to really get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, I don't know if this is a topic that we can talk about to any like coherency, but uh, I'm curious what you think. Um, what do you think is going to happen next in pharmacy? Like, I think there's there's so much like Amazon bought um, what's that one company, the Pill Pack or something like that. Pill Pack, yeah, 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 Pill Pack. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to change things. I think we talked about it a little bit before. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's 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 things like there's certain things from a user perspective, right? From a patient perspective, uh, when I look at the industry, because I have so many medications that I take. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at some of the advocacy advocacy that's going on. Mm-hmm. For me, it feels like it it kind of it doesn't serve the patient. Some of them. I mean, obviously not, you know, some of them do. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Uh, if you think that's true or is that misinformed or what? Well, let me ask you how, how um, like, what do you mean by it doesn't serve you? Like when you mentioned like it doesn't uh, when you say it, it was it's not in your best interest sometimes. Yeah. Um, how How is that? Okay, so one, I mean, it's higher level. I don't, I'm not informed enough to even talk about this. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> to any detail, I mean, but, <laughs> but like, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I just want to hear like, you. Like, it's, it's, it's everybody. You don't have to be a yeah, pharmacist yeah. to, yeah. Right. It's just your perceptions. Uh, so one thing is it feels like, let's just take the pill pack idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's other regulations that, uh, you know, whatever, but for the pill pack, I feel like that is, that's beneficial to people. I mean, it's mm-hmm. making, getting medications easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did, I remember when that came about like a year or a couple years ago, there was an mm-hmm. uproar from the pharmacy community, um, like pushing against that. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I didn't understand that to me from the outside, obviously as an uninformed person uh, about the regulations and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I, I saw it as like, I don't understand I don't, to me, this might be a bad analogy, but to me, how it felt was like, like how there's mining jobs, you know, mm-hmm. like, like how people still advocate for mining jobs, even though it's mm-hmm. a less superior form of energy. Mm-hmm. It felt like that. It felt like, okay, cool. We're, we're advocating for the jobs, but we're not advocating for pushing the, the industry forward or whatever. Yeah. 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 This so is that's, that's that's my high level like thinking. Yeah, about it. no, you nailed it. I mean, this is the exact issue that national pharmacy organizations are debating about. Um, and you're right. When 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 Amazon bought PillPack and that came out, there was a huge uproar. I think mainly because they feel like a lot of people felt like pharmacists are going to lose their jobs. You know, ten, twenty, thirty years from now, yeah. because we're being replaced by these. Um, remote, you know, robotic type services, right? I yep. mean, um, if patients can just get their medications in the mail, like they don't want to have to go to the pharmacy, you know, that's it. Great. Yep. Uh, so that, and that was the challenge. I think a lot of pharmacists felt that their, their value, like, is, um, I think they're trained so that society feel like they get free consultations from the pharmacist and they're used to that. Like if you have a health issue, you just go up to any pharmacy and then just ask them, you know, 
what do you think about this condition that I have before they go to the doctor's office, right? And that service, right. that question is free. You don't pay anything for that. Yeah. Um, and I think people are used to that, right? And so I think that the issue with that is that how do we show society the value in those consultations and those face-to-face -face interactions? Um, I think a lot of people feel like that um, that Amazon's pill pack is going to replace all that and then ignore that consultation value service space, mm -hmm. um, that patients won't get that when they just get their medications in the mail. But the interesting part with this whole thing that COVID that's taught us is that there's so many people doing, how do we do consultations over video or over the phone or over, you know, can we still get that value-based care um, that's not, face-to-face -face. and I think we're seeing a lot of people testing that model um, and see how that can happen uh, so I think you know your initial question like what do I see pharmacy later on I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that a lot of creative virtual uh, value-based care that we haven't seen before um, right so you, you see like the role transitioning into something that's less mechanic more involved with patients or something like that Oh, absolutely. I think yeah. a lot of states right now, like Ohio, like there are um, doing a lot of reimbursement model-based cares. Um, so pharmacists are finally billing for their services they're providing. Um, mm. And uh, it's been picking up some traction. And I think a lot of pharmacies across the country are slowly getting there, but it's, it's still a, a work in progress because it requires a lot of buy-in from state legislators and you know, um, so, but we're, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> we're not there. We're not there yet, but we're, we're getting there. That's interesting. I think, I think that point about, um, the consultations, the free consultations that mm -hmm. I've done, I mean, I've definitely walked up to a pharmacist and asked their opinion without, mm -hmm. <laughs> without considering that, Hey, they, they paid a bunch of money to go to school to get this knowledge. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's a fair point. Um, and mm -hmm. if 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 patients were able to see that that um, value that they bring, mm -hmm. they they played like kind of this middle role, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's it's hard. It's it's a hard because right now when you when you think of pharmacy, you think of like your community chain pharmacies, right? Like Fred Meyer, Walgreens, Walmart, yeah. Rite Aid, and you're you're tying this concept of like this grocery store. Hey, I'm gonna pick up my Kit Kat Snickers with my, you know, diabetes medication. Like, you're, you're, there's, there's this conception of like, I'm, I'm tying my, my medications to like this fast food type, uh, service. Um, right. And it's, it's, uh, <laughs> when you have that mindset, it can, it makes things difficult to be like, hey, it's gonna take longer than 10 minutes to get your medication right <laughs> and they're like why is it yeah. taking why is it taking 10 minutes to count five tablets you know dude kind of thing. i've done that so many times man i feel bad <laughs> <laughs> like what you doing over there like why can't you just pour five tablets i see the bottle just take the bottle pour five tablets and let me get the hell out of here right yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's but, true i think it's the paradigm like, like like you said it's like they're placed in like walgreens and cvs's and these grocery stores that are based on convenience and then you have the mm -hmm. pharmacy so you kind of tie the the two ideas together mm -hmm. um yeah yeah that's interesting yeah 
well, damn. So that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things that we're trying to push, you know, for is how do we make it so that it's not the, the perception of that isn't that, right? Like, how do we show that value? And so there's so many things that state associations are trying to do to educate the public on, on what the pharmacists have to go through. And it's hard because when you look at the news and sometimes you see news on the pharmacy, like, what do you see? Um, you see pharmacy technicians stealing medications. You see pharmacies, you know, uh, pharmacists doing like stealing C2 narcotics and right. just, you know, it's, it's that bad social media that you're saying that it makes it even that much harder to get anything done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, so one thing that's been interesting about this podcast, um, so far I've, I've basically, I've interviewed my friends, um, yeah. people around me and I've gotten to hear a lot about how my friends and family were kids, like, mm-hmm. like how were they as kids? And it kind of informs how, who they are now as an adult, mm-hmm. uh, as an adult. So mm-hmm. I'm curious for you, how, how were you as a kid? Were you always like this? Has your personality changed at all? How <laughs> <laughs> uh, was I as a kid? I tried to just stay in my own lane <laughs> and just do what's uh, what I thought was right. Um, just trying to stay out of trouble. I mean, you know, as as good as I do, how growing up in Northeast Portland isn't always the the easiest for any kid, right? Um, just trying to navigate survival mode, <laughs> and just trying at the same time at the same time just being able to follow what you like to do um can be tough but but yeah uh no i never thought i was gonna if you asked me when i was a teenager going through benson hey you're gonna be a professor or assistant professor for a pharmacy school one day you know like i'm like okay (laughs) i didn't even know what pharmacy was back then right yeah um but it's just a it's a, a cumulative of all these experiences that you gain going through high school and college um that's kind of what made it but i can't say that that's the same now right i mean i don't know if i would if i had a kid now in high school i don't know if i would tell them college is the way to go anymore um right because of it's just not the same as when we went to college Um, yeah the value that we're paying for college isn't the same anymore um and I think that's where, and it's, it's unfortunate because I think that's where I learned a lot about myself was in college um, that I didn't get to experience when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think ever since I've known you, you've, um, you've been pretty ambitious, right? Like, <laughs> like I remember, I remember uh, we were both part of the, VSA, the Vietnamese Student Association, that yep. freshman year. Yeah. And, you know, there was like juniors and seniors in that group. Yeah. And uh at the end of the year, we you know, we were friends with some of the people there. And yeah. you decided to walk up and like run for the president position. <laughs> <laughs> I did that when I was a freshman. Was that a freshman? <laughs> yeah, that was a freshman. That was a freshman. <laughs> 
And everyone was like, you're cute, but uh, we're choosing this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I do, I do not remember that. I do not remember running for president as a freshman. That's hilarious you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that, it's pretty clear in my head. I remember, like, the room and everything. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's um, – I, I would say – because you got to have a vision. Like, you have to know where you're trying to go. Um, I think for me, it's just at that time, it's like, hey, I feel like I could do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like this would really satisfy me as a college freshman is to step into this role and just be involved with people that I can relate to. Um, and I think that's kind of a reason why I guess I'm so involved in the pharmacy community now is just taking that what I learned in VSA and and just applying it to my professional feel now it's it's funny you brought that out that's crazy yeah. <laughs> where where does your motivation come from like why do you do the things that you you do why do you want to do these things i mean you said earlier about the being a professor it's the reward of helping someone figure things out yeah but is there is there another drive it's it's a mixture of hard work and seeing others succeed i mean when i was in at middle, I think oh, I was in even fifth grade, fourth grade in elementary school. Um, I was, I think, I, I think most Asian Americans can relate. You know, when you have really hardworking parents, and for me, my parents had a restaurant own. They were restaurant business owners, mm-hmm. so I remember every day after school, I would immediately go to work as a, you know, bussing tables and washing dishes and stuff. Um, until like 10, 11 p.m., come home, yeah. eat dinner till midnight, and then I'll do my homework till like two or three in the morning, and then wake up at six, seven, and repeat. <laughs> and that was that was my childhood, and then all the way up until shoot end of high school, I think. Yeah. Um, and then able to have that kind of hard work ethic uh and still be able to like tutor my cousins and stuff on the side and um it was just having a sense of purpose like knowing what you're trying to achieve and for me it's like hey i I have a there's a need in the family to live there's there's a need to put food and put lights in the house and so i knew that um i had to do whatever i can to pitch in with the family right um and so it was that that urgent need to survive and um, at the same time do things on the side that makes me happy, which is to tutor. Right. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's really hard for a lot of folks to find because um, you see all these people in like their quarter life crisis, you know, when they hit 25, they're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, what, what is it? Like I just got, I got my degree in communication you know <laughs> i graduated four years with a degree in history yeah. now what do i do like where do i go from now um and unfortunately i didn't have i didn't ha- have to go through that like i kind of knew uh what motivated me um but i i'm really surprised of that's it's uncommon for a lot of people um to know to know right yeah to wake yeah. up in the morning and be like hey i'm i'm this is what this is what makes me really happy, yeah. um, and can I make a living off of off of that? 
Has you, do you still hold on to that um, idea of surviving? Like, do you feel that's like a necessity now that, I mean, you're, you're a pharmacist, so I'm assuming you make like a decent amount of money, right? <laughs> we don't have to I go into okay. details, but yeah. you know, you're yeah. living fine. Um, yeah. So do you still hold on to that, that kind of need to survive from back in those days? Not right now. I don't, um, which is scary to think uh, because I, I want that um, value to be passed on to the next generation if and whenever I have kids, right? Like, I, I don't want them to, to feel um, that there's nothing to be to work for um, and that things that you pursue, dreams that you have, like you're gonna have to put a lot of hard work to get there. It's not yeah. just gonna be given to you on a plate as much as, you know, it's always the next generation, we always wanna make their environment a better place for them to grow up in, right? I mean, that's everyone, that's every parent's goals to have the kids grow up in such that they don't have the same hardships that they did, right? Right. Um, but at the same time, there's a value in that. There's a value in, really working hard to get what you want um the value of a dollar right it's such a hard concept for kids to to get um and i really try to remind myself that i didn't get here by myself like it's it's um all the values and uh traditions that my parents instilled upon me so so no i don't have that emergency <laughs> urgency setting to survive um but I always look back and, and cherish and be grateful for the times that uh, I did go through to get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, I think a lot of the, the way that we live life is through avoidance of pain and kind of the, the suffering speaks to that. Mm -hmm. um, so like, you know, as kids, we get good grades to avoid getting in trouble. Um, mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people also identify with their pain uh, mm -hmm. they kind of they kind of hold it up as like a, a trophy mm -hmm. so and I'm, I don't think you seem like the type of person that holds on to pain but I am curious um, have you been hurt in life I mean yes obviously but when have you been hurt in life uh, can you talk about that I think I think did I, I'm not sure if I told you this but uh, <laughs> but back when in high school uh, I, I was bullying, I think when I was uh, a freshman at Bents and there's these two senior guys who, I was, I was a freshman in calculus, um, thanks to my sister. Mm. <laughs> she homeschooled me and she like got me all these accelerated courses and took all these summer classes to get me to calculus as a freshman. And I was, I remember that day when I walked into calculus class, I was like the smallest kid, um, you know, braces, glasses. Uh, my hair was all right, though. Um, but, um, <laughs> but I remember walking in and everyone's eyes were on me, right? When I was walking through to, to my seat. Because um, everyone were what, seniors, and I think there was like one junior or one sophomore right. in there. Um, but that first day of high school was tough because there was these seniors who, um, who kept picking on me. And they... They end up one day. They like threw me in the trash can. Um, Jesus. They gave me a swirly during bathroom breaks. Uh, I was I was bullied 
a lot. Um, and I remember going home and my mom would ask me, oh, how was school? And I'd be like, oh, it's good, mom. <laughs> it was all right. Because you, know, you don't want you don't want them to worry, right? You don't want right. them to. They're already they're already trying to survive. Like the last thing you want to do is add more stress on the plate. Uh, so that carried on for a few years, and then my first ex, <laughs> she was uh, involved in that Asian gangster thing, and um, <laughs> I called I called oh that the Asian God. gangster thing. <laughs> Um, where there were a lot of times where, well, there was one time where I got out of chess club. <laughs> I was, I oh was getting God. out of chess club. <laughs> and then, uh, I think you might know this. And then there was a guy who, who had a crush on her and then mm-hmm. he, he pulled up, uh, in the back parking lot with all his, you know, gangster friends with their Hondas and Acras. And then, uh, I was, <laughs> I was, I was just trying to walk the max. Uh, I'm like, look, I see him approaching me. He, he like shoved me against the wall, and I'm like, look, I just got a chess club. I'm mentally tired. <laughs> I don't have time for this. Uh, but he tried to pick up a fight, and these guys were behind him, and I was like, oh my god. Um, luckily nothing happened, but you know, just having to deal with all these these little childish incidents, it just, I wouldn't say it was. I, looking back, I was numb to it, um, mm. but I feel like it should have been more painful than it was. Um, being thrown in a trash can, you know, being threatened, you know, to get beaten up and all this stuff. I just, I just kind of, I just kind of take it and try to move on from it, you know. Um, I think that's kind of taught me that there's just there's no problems in life is is too big, right? There's um I think that's kind of why I'm so patient with everything. Uh even though right. <laughs> that's why <laughs> that's probably why my fiance Lisa gets upset sometimes because she sweats small things. <laughs> <laughs> and she tries to have me, you know, be as urgent and you see small things as big as her. And so that's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. God. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. It's like looking back, I'm like, yeah, if any other kid would go through that, I think that's kind of painful. Right. I mean, but. Dude, I, I mean, I did not know that. Um, and I, I wouldn't expect that story to come from you. So, yeah. cause you, you've always been like a happy, low, uh, happy go lucky kind of guy. You know, you're super mm-hmm. chill. Like you said. Um, yeah. I didn't know that. Man, that sucks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it's man. Like, man. I mean, luckily, sucks. like I was never bullied. Um, yeah. But so you I probably never wouldn't have taken to... that if you were bullied. I bet you would have handled that situation a lot differently than I did. I don't yeah. think you would have. Yeah, I don't think you would have. You probably wouldn't have taken it. You would have. You would have done some. Definitely. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That, but that's just, it shouldn't have to, like, you shouldn't have to be like that just to be able to be a person. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now it's, like, even worse because kids have social media. They're getting bullied online. And, uh, yeah, it's, they're, like, constantly bombarded with this kind of stuff. Right. And it, it messes with their mind, right? I mean, that's why you're seeing so many teenagers, like, committing suicide and doing all these weird things because of all the bullying and cyberbullying and it's um it's it's insane 
Uh, it's not, that's why it's the whole mental health awareness is such a big thing nowadays, right? How do we, how do we keep ourselves happy? How do we do things so that we don't minimize? You know, how do we minimize stress and anxiety and all these educational, you know, opportunities that are happening that I never had when I was a student? Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. I think those are new concepts, man, because uh, <laughs> when, when, we, when we were kids, it was like, stop being a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, honestly, that's what it was. Yeah. Like, stop being so emotional or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's great that people are putting words to these things and kids know about the concepts and they don't feel like they're all alone. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a good thing for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I just hope they don't feel like they're entitled, right? That's the big thing. Like, they're entitled to to feel a certain way. They're entitled to be a certain way. They're entitled to to have these opportunities for them. Um, some of them, you got you to gotta work for it, you know? Um, definitely, definitely. It's not yeah. to say we should live life without pain. Yeah. For sure. Right. There's a, there's a value to live through pain you know what i mean like there's a value in how do you get through pain and how do you get over pain 100 um, yeah so can you say more about that like what what have you when have you experienced that like pain working through pain is there like a certain situation that you're just like you just had to work through it or is it like the bullying that you experienced as a kid i mean yeah i mean that's exactly it like how do i i, I tell myself when i'm walking like after i climb out of the trash can right and i'm shrugging myself off and then <laughs> and I'm coming, I'm, I'm going to the restaurant to work as a, you know, to bust and tables. Like, how do I, like, what's the, what's the bigger picture? What's the bigger goal that I'm trying to achieve? Yeah. Um, and I, I would just tell myself, like, this is just another hurdle in getting there. Um, this is just another thing I have to get through to, to get there. Um, pain was real, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I don't feel it, but I feel it. <laughs> heard respect yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so what do you value most in people mm. that's a good question i um i just value their honesty i value an open conversation i i, I value uh their perspective so this the, the, the fact that you're doing this podcast is is so fascinating to me because that's that's what I'm really fascinated about. And that's what I really value to listen to other people's values and hearing what inspires them and what motivates them and what mm. can you do to play a small part in their success. Um, right. Uh, and that's, um, that's really valuable to me. That's probably the reason why I'm in this role, right? I get to do that day in and day out. Right. Uh, when students ask me to, for advice and, where they should go and how do they navigate their struggles. Um, I listen to what they have to say and get to know who they are and, and put myself in a position where I can help them out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, I want to transition into like a kind of a sad topic. Mm -hmm. um, and oh, because we've only to... talked about happy topics so far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair point, fair point. I'm curious to know what, where this is going to go to. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> So anyone who knows you yeah. associates you with somebody um, that yeah. died recently, and that's Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Kobe, Kobe died uh, early this year yeah. to start the whole shit show of 2020. And right. um, 
when I think of Kobe, I think of you because ever since I've known you, I don't know anyone that's a bigger fan of Kobe. Um, yeah. Like I remember playing basketball with you and seeing you not only do his shots and his crossover and whatever and his fadeaways, but also like his celebration mannerisms, like putting the fist up and, and that whole thing. <laughs> Which I fucking hated. Did I do that? Did I do Which that I really? fucking hated, yeah. <laughs> so Kobe was like a part of the zeitgeist he was a part of the culture um and so when he died you were the first person that i told and i talked to about um what what did kobe mean to you oh man he um you were the first person who brought that news to me i'll never forget uh it's funny because you there were so many people who who told me the same thing you told me like when Kobe died, they thought of me, and I was like, "What? Why would you think of me when Kobe died?" <laughs> think about Kobe. Like, don't think about me when he died. Like, why? Uh, but yeah, he was—he was like my outlet um, when I'm going through hard times. It's, I, his way of life and his way of approaching the game, on and off the court, um, how he motivated his teammates to be better even though they were already great but how can you make them better even at that point of success right right um that there's again back to you know what i said earlier like what is it that you're going for but even when you get there like what's next you always challenge yourself because there's so much more that you can do um so for me that was my my 10-year goal was to be an educator and i got here in like two years i said oh shoot well now that i'm here like what's next right so it's always there's always something to to get at um and that's kind of what i instilled in myself uh as an educator um and to see that philosophy apply in in all professions no matter where you are I mean, that's incredible. Um, no matter if you're an artist, no matter if you're a rapper, no matter if you're a painter, you know, it's a musician. It's just uh, you can apply that principle of to anything that you do. Um, yeah, it's uh, but now that now that he's he's gone, he's he's left that legacy. And it's it's even a more powerful reminder for what the next generation um can take his you know what he's done and and push forward with it and um i guess that's kind of what i want to do with uh, the pharmacy profession yeah 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 rest in peace man yeah all right man so um i have a couple more questions um one the first one is uh as kids we expect like life to be a certain way like when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I expected, you know, I get a job out, right out of college, um, get married by 25, have two kids, buy a house, get rich. <laughs> <laughs> How many of those checkboxes have you checked, Dustin? Where, where are you in that list? <laughs> One. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> um, I'm curious, when, when you think about your experience of life so far, and you're 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 like you're what 32 yeah Th- yeah 32 what has surprised you the most in your 32 years of life 
I, I, I have to say my conversation with my dad this last weekend. I, I really, I really do. I think it's crazy to think that, um, that my relationship with my parents can flip within a matter of like a second over something that I'm so passionate about. Right. Um, yeah. And I would, I would think that being an educator, I would know how to deal with it because I would deal with all these, you know, students' issues and students' problems all the time. But for some reason, I, I just, I, I, when it comes to family, it's, it's such a, uh, a surprising issue that I didn't think I literally have no answers for. Um, and I think it's a culminative of all these experiences that led up to it, right? Uh, and you're kind of at a standstill now. Well, I'm at a standstill now. Um, and that's kind of uh, it's kind of a hard spot to be in. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I hope you guys uh, get to talk it out and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> you got any positive questions, Dustin? Hit me with a positive one. <laughs> uh, so, there we go. Yeah, go ahead. He just—he just being a little baby. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question. Yeah. Um, so we as humans put up statues of people, mm. uh, not because we love those people, but because we love what those people represent. Mm. So when you pass on from this life and the world puts up a statue of you, um, what would you want that statue to be of, and what do you want it to represent? Damn, dude, where are you finding your questions? Do you just come up with these out of your ass? Like, <laughs> that's that's crazy. Uh, God. Hmm. Well, I could tell you that I don't want a statue of myself. I think the last thing I want is, you know, a statue of my face and my body. And it's just something about... I, 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 I try to stay out of the spotlight a lot of times. Um, and so I, I don't want, you know, if I had to do a statue of something, it would be like something that represents me, but not myself, you know what I mean? Um, I think for me, man, that's just crazy. I think it would be a basketball. I think it'd be just a statue of a basketball with my name over it. Mm. <laughs> It's crazy because I was thinking like something pharmacy, something um, like a, but no, it's just a, it's a basketball because that's kind of what, that's kind of what it all started with. Uh, it was my outline in life whenever I was struggling with, with things. Even last week, I remember I was, uh, when all these news were happening, I just, I reached to a point where I just couldn't read the news anymore. And the first thing I did was um, I walked to a park and just started shooting hoops. Um, it was and just uh, it was a way for me to kind of gather myself, uh, my sanctuary, my um, it's like my meditation zone, right? Um, right. Like so every shot I take, all these ideas would be flowing through my mind. Um, where I can just really be in an area where no one's interrupting me. Um, just me and the basketball and the net. 
Um, it's definitely one of my major stress relievers. Um, and uh, it, in a way, it kind of helped me meet so many people um, playing basketball and off, on and off the court. Um, tying back to Kobe Bryant, and it's in a way, it's kind of my tribute to him. Um, yeah, I think I would take that to my group, my uh, my my tombstone. Great man, it's the statue of best. Hmm? Good answer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. What, what's yours? What's what's your statue like? Man. I, I honestly don't know. Um, oh, come on. You got, if I could do that in like 10 seconds, you got to have one. I know you thought about it. All right, let me think. Um, I think it would have to be something that says like, it communicates the idea that either we're, we're just lucky um, or we're all the same something along those lines i mean honestly maybe it's just maybe it's just like earth big as fuck uh and it's light and it's lit up so that when you're in the middle of the night it's in the middle of nowhere so when you go out there that's all you see is earth and it makes you realize that that's where we're living right now we're living on this fucking giant ball flying around nothingness uh in the galaxy within the universe mm-hmm. yeah yeah, that's deep. I, I have kind of a sim, similar thoughts whenever, like, I get on a plane when I'm flying to, like, a work conference or something. Yeah. And I'm flying over cities and everything looks so small. And you just feel like you're just a speck in the sand on this planet, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like, wow. Like, what, what would happen if you just pass away tomorrow, right? Like, mm-hmm. it just makes you think that what can you do to have, well, for me at least, like what can I do to have like a lasting impact on my community or something so that it's not just, I'm just not like a speck in the sand on this planet. Um, And I think that when Kobe passed, I think that even struck even harder, right? Mm. Um, Yeah. Like, what do you want to achieve? You know, what do you want the next generation to to remember you for? Um, and some people may not care about that. And, you know, that's okay. Uh, but for me, that, that's that's kind of one of my one of my uh, one of my values. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you or someone you know would be interested in being interviewed for the Earthian podcast. Reach out to us on Instagram at WeAreEarthian. And of course, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you and have a beautiful day.